Thank you so much for Kelly for joining us from New Braunfels Brewing Company out of New Braunfels, Texas. Check out all of our sponsors, Zatuna Liquor over in Rochester Hills, just south of M59 on Rochester Road, as well as North Center Brewing over in Northville, Michigan, just south of Baseline Road, as well as their drinking district in downtown Northville. And of course, PCI Brandcraft, if you want to throw your logo on any piece of swag, whether it's a glass, a hat, a shirt, shorts, whatever you could think of, they can do it. That's at PCI Brandcraft on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on all of our social medias. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Better on Draft. You can find us on Twitch, Bod Podcast, as well as friending us on Untapped to see what we were drinking every Friday night. That's at Bod Podcast on Untapped. Go check out our website, betterondraft.com, for news, reviews, and more updates to the website. Download the Michigan Beer Map app at mibeermap.com, free for Android and Apple users. Support Michigan breweries, and we'll see you next week. Whether your beer is in a bottle, can, or glass, kick back and relax. It's Better on Draft. Welcome, everybody. Episode 265, Better on Draft Podcast. My name is Ken. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. It is Friday, and of course, you can join us live Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern in the chat, especially if we have a guest you really want to talk to. But of course, if you're listening to this uh, via podcast, we appreciate that, too. Introducing our host, we have a guest host today uh, coming in as one of our writers. Danny, how are you doing today, and what are you drinking? I'm so good. I'm drinking Orange Whip from Rochester Mills Brewing. It's number two right now. Perfect. And we also have Dan over in Arizona. What's the what's the temp today? Uh, it's cool today. It's only like 106. 106. What are you drinking? Yeah. I'm um, holding down the Nick roll today. So I got two things here. I've got a Founders Nemesis barley wine. And just to make sure I'm not getting too low in ABV, I've got a pizza port <laughs> bacon and eggs. Ooh. All right. Well, for me, I'm uh, I'm doing the same as well. I got a lovely gift from the folks over at New Holland. Dan's favorite beer, Ichabod Pumpkin Ale. Oh, come on. Uh, as <laughs> Pour well it as out. I've got a Dragon's Milk White and a, a White Claw Watermelon to wash it all down. But our guest uh, might actually beat you, Dan, for how hot it is. I'm going to introduce Kelly from New Braunfels Brewing Company. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thanks for having me. I just realized I have your name wrong, so I do apologize to every uh, one that is watching right now, but I'm going to be updating it. What are you drinking? Bellhaven Scottish Ale. Oh. Old classic. Now, give us give us the quick rundown on New Braunfels. When did uh, when did it start? Where can we find you guys? Are you guys out of Texas? I know you're out of Texas, but uh, do you guys distro out of Texas? Give us the, the origin story. I started the brewery, we moved in this building in 2012, and so it's we started distributing outside of Texas maybe 2017, which is a whole section in the book you really should read. It's a lot of fun. And right now we are available in Louisiana, Florida, and Texas. Now, you're also a author. We have been now, pick, now yep, picking picking <laughs> around the book that you had created uh, called How Not to Start a Damn Brewery, which you could find on Amazon for paperback as well as the Kindle, um, so you can get it in an ebook. Uh, and you're also starting a podcast with the same name. Let's let's start with the beginning. Why did you want to write this book? The short answer is I didn't. Um, so in 2019, the brewery was facing extinction for what I would consider to be the third time. Um, as a small brewery, capital calls and complete you know brewery pivots of business to to invest in new lines of uh, channels of business. You, you get to a point where you're just like, as a small guy, I don't want to do this shit anymore. Um, so my wife and I made a list of all the things that we had done wrong. And as I saw it, I decided that should be a book that should be shared. And I fleshed it out and it kind of took on a life of its own. If you read it, you can definitely read the anger in there and some of the despair is <laughs> it did it, it, it transfer into it. So um, at the end of the day, the goal was to help other people, I guess, would be a good su summary to that. All right. I'm going to actually pass it over to, to Danny because I know she's been reading the book, too, um, to see what questions she may have for you. I have. Um, I was reading the bit about focusing on marketing over quality. And yeah. you're spot on. Like, it can be the best year. 
but who's going to know that but you? So do you think there are breeds that focus more or maybe too much on too much on marketing over quality? Like, are, are there some that are all flash and no substance? Like, have you come across this? The short answer to that is there's a shit ton of them that are all flash and no substance. Um, <laughs> and if you want my honest opinion, <laughs> which I'm, which is really hard for me not to give, by the way, but um, the short answer is still, there are a lot of breweries that do that and a lot of breweries that are successful doing it. And more often than not, that seems to be the model that works. And you could argue whether they should or shouldn't do that. Um, at, obviously, the ultimate goal is that they're there to make money, and that's all they really care about. And so they're right and we're wrong as far as the, the quality argument, right? Yeah. It's disappointing, right? Like, you work hard, you make a quality product that you are proud of and that you want people to enjoy with you. But if it doesn't look the right way, you're not getting yeah. what you want. Yeah. When everything changes, obviously the industry is not going to be today where it was 10 years ago and, and nor should it, but there's an evolution to everything. But it's disappointing when everybody I know that got in the industry at that point, what it inspired us to, to make beer, not one person was like, dude, I'm really badass at graphic design and I want to own a brewery because I can make badass graphic design on cans. It was all quality and it was it was inspired by the great beers we'd had as kids or the great beers that were at kids that 19 in Texas, we drink early. Um, but anyways, to, to that point, I, it, it was never graphic design and marketing that inspired us to get into the industry, but that's what is keeping people here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've noticed that too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's out there in front and it's hard not to notice it, but, and I've told people before, I mean, I think at the end of the day for me that I'm willing to die on this hill. And if, if I walked away from the brewery knowing that I made great product, but it didn't sell because the label wasn't right. I'm happy to put that on my resume. I'm cool with that. So you should be. <laughs> now, I'm curious that you say that. Do you think there is a certain percentage of beer drinkers out there that buy it because of the label? I've done that one time and it was the worst beer I've ever drank in my life. So I've never done that ever since. Um, do you think there's really people that only buy it because the label looks cool or and knowing nothing about the beer, or what it could actually be? Yeah. So from my perspective, um, I think that's a big problem with the industry overall. And one of the big mistakes that I made early on was thinking that other people in well, the, the average consumer in the market had something in common with me and the people that I hang around with. And that is clearly not the case. Um, going on taps, hang around. I don't know anybody who would say shit like that to each other, um, but it's there and it's, it's prevalent. So I've seen it happen would be the answer to your question. And the, the argument that the best beer always wins is just not being played out in the Texas market. And maybe it is in Arizona, but it's not here. And so it's clearly the people buying the, the most beer and the, the quantities of it are definitely buying the labels and not the uh, juice. I mean, I've definitely, you know, judge a beer by its label. Like it's something that's really hard to not do, right? Not not now. But yeah. Like I know a brewery that like had really tragic labels in the last decade and a half or so, and then they've gotten better and better. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, they got a budget, good for them. But the beer quality was always good. So it was hard to reconcile that, you know, they had this great product inside this, amateurish looking label but well here's here's where I, I think i think the the opportunity is when i go to a beer store and i'm you you you've we've all been to a beer store and we're like i want something i've never had before so mm-hmm. we start looking at you know breweries that may have a style that we've never tried we start looking for the styles itself but what's going to pull your eye the thing that's going to pull your eye is some type of graphic some type of label something that's going to catch your eye and it could be yeah. something very basic like um, you know, like the, the fuck COVID label was very basic, to, you know, basically two words. Um, but it really stood out to you, not because it said fuck COVID, but because of the, um, the font, like the font really got you. And I think the font, you know, that kind of surprises me with you, Dan, is because I don't, I, I'm surprised you've never seen a label and not necessarily bought the beer, but is like, oh, that looks pretty cool. And then you look at it and say, oh, triple IPA, never mind. Like that's, so, it has happened, but you know, it happened one time, and it was a damn pumpkin beer. 
you know, the only time I've ever drank one and it ended up being like poured out like on the floor. So, you know, I try not to do that anymore. I still think at least with the style, like I, I know you like your, your darker, higher ABV beers. Like there, there has got to be a label that just catches your eye and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, that looks so cool. I'm, I want to try it because you know that it's your style. It matches up with you, but it's just a beer you've never had. Um, but I know how much you like pumpkin beers. So it's really, uh, I, I let's, let's talk about, um, stylistic seasonal beers real quick. What do you guys do over at new Braunfels that are seasonal? Cause I know one of them definitely piqued the interest of your friends over at Gam- Gambrinus. Um, <laughs> But what Gambrinus? What, Gambrinus, yeah. What what yeah. seasonal beers do you have? And then I want to kind of tie that into once you start talking about that last one, um, the the C and D that you got. Sure. Well, so the seasonal beers that we do now, um, in 2017, we went straight mixed culture, and so um, that was the one in that example was prior to that when we were doing pure culture beers. But so now it's it's mostly um, annual variations, and so it'll be a lot of barrel aged beer refermented with. Uh, kind of whatever that fruit is of the season. So loquats in the spring, peaches in the summer, uh, prickly pear fruit in the fall type thing where it, uh, it, it kind of follows the seasons and, and works like an actual seasonal um, instead of just we released it in January every year. But if you want to talk about that one, this the, and maybe you read it, you want to tell me what you, what you caught out of that. The Wicked Fuel? Yeah, so the the Wicked Fuel, for those of you who don't know, they got a C&D from uh, the makers of Shiner. Uh, for those of us in Michigan who know the, the company that makes Shiner, Spetzel, who is owned by Gambrinus. Um, I'm probably saying their name wrong, but it's not worth it to try. Um, <laughs> so they uh, sent you a C&D because of the word Wicked. Um, now wicked has been used in a lot of, uh, different beers and breweries and different variations. So, uh, choosing that word, um, they, they came after you to stop using it. Now, um, you basically thumbed, um, you know, flipped them off. We'll say you, you told them to go fuck themselves. Uh, And I, 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 I don't know if I saw a, is there, is there an ending to the story? Cause last I heard they tried to, um, you know, give you not an ultimatum, but, uh, a rules to live by. And that's when you just told them to say no. What? Yeah. So long story short, um, I, I, instead of reaching back out to them, I did what a small brewery with limited resources would do. And I just went to Facebook and trashed the shit out of them and, uh, wrote a letter saying, you know, quit picking on me, blah, blah. Um, they gave me back. Well, I ended up on the phone with somebody and he gave me the explanation that, you know, sorry, the, the IP attorney does, does that. And, you know, we just didn't know and we would never treat you that way. That guy's a dick, like come over here. And, um, what's that? We just thought you'd, you'd call us and we'd, we'd have a beer and we'd talk about it and laugh and slap each other on the back. And then you'd sign this little agreement. I'm like, well, what, what agreement? And so they gave me the uh, the terms, which was essentially I could never distribute outside the state. It had to only be a seasonal. I don't think they limited the barrelage, but there was some verbiage in there about like kind of how popular it could get. And I, more I looked at it, uh, I kind of and how I at, when I researched trademarks and what I understood, I just decided that they didn't have any teeth. And if if they did, they would have had a, uh, an actual attorney call me and nothing ever came of it. So I just, I sold the fuck off. We've seen that a lot here, even in Michigan, obviously the big one in Michigan is bells going after the small brewery over in Asheville area, North Carolina innovation, uh, brewing, um, in which the brewery in North Carolina won, um, and was able to keep their name, uh, which is curious because we also have like innovative brew works, which is opening here in Michigan. So I'm not, I'm kind of shocked that bells has not called them. Um, but <laughs> I, I guess my question to you as, as someone who is a very business minded person, obviously you want to protect your trademarks. Um, and we've had very decent discussions, uh, back and forth about things like the, the hogfish, um, Amber over in Florida Keys Brewing versus Dogfish Head. Um, what what is your take on breweries and kind of going after each other uh, in that market when a lot of you guys are really just trying to survive, as you say? The problem is there are two sides to the story, and so if if you have a legitimate trademark dispute, so if I make a beer called 
Innovative Ale and some guy opens a brewery called Innovative Ale in the market that I distribute, there is legitimately going to be overlap in the consumer's mind. Most craft beer fans are going to be like, oh, I know the difference. I'm not an idiot. But at some point, you're going to spend a million dollars on marketing or whatever samples you might put forward. And you're ultimately going to be putting money in the other person's pocket. So depending how that went down, there's also an onus on the guy that opened. Like, who's the dipshit that went after the name that already existed, right? Like, your responsibility is also to at least go to untap and type it in and see if someone has ever used it. Um, yeah. So, so my argument with Wicked feels a little different because I knew that that beer did not currently exist, that they stopped making Pete's Wicked Ale in 2011. But I, I don't know. I said that I don't like the trademark thing. I, the whole concept pisses me off because I don't think it's being managed. Uh, but ultimately, if you're an artist, you should be able to get protection for the art that you created. So I, I see both sides as long as it's done fairly, which it normally is not. So. One thing that I think we've learned within the industry is is that uh, as you kind of saw with the the other Texas brewery is that a lot of it is the IP lawyers that they hire um, who have no skin in the game except for doing their job, making money and protecting the trademarks that they're paid to protect. Um, one of the big ones that kind of really matches your point, and you're talking about opening up a brewery with the same name as a beer somewhere else, and that was somewhere in middle America, somebody was trying to open up the brewery Namaste Brewing. And for those of you who are craft beer drinkers and under, you know, no Dogfish Head, Dogfish Head has Namaste, which is one of their beers. And that was another C&D that kind of occurred where you can't, there, there are some breweries you just can't fight or you're going, especially if you're opening up a brewery, you don't have the money to, to fight that type of fight. Um, but it's always interesting to hear from a brewer's perspective about, you know, cease and desist because you trying to protect your own, um, you know, your own craft, your own beer, your own names might have, have you ever gone out, not gone after, but contacted someone for using a name that was the same name as your beer? Uh, I use very esoteric and strange names, so that usually doesn't happen. Okay. Uh, to, to be perfectly blunt, I have not had an, I have not had anybody copy the name. Obviously, people can copy the style or the you know the unique thing that you made, but there's really nothing you can do about that. What was you? You mentioned the style. What was the reason for pivoting to all open culture? My palate. Um, when I started the brewery, I would joke with people that uh, I. I was getting out of fitness and I wanted to do something in alcohol and I love scotch. I love Napa Valley wine, red Cabernet specifically, and I love beer and I didn't want to move. So Texas wine in 2011 was pretty abysmal. Uh, there was one distillery, I think. And so just that concept of doing either of those and staying in my hometown didn't make sense. But at the end of the day, I opened up a brewery as a wine guy. And so like, if my uh, Hefeweizen was different batch to batch, I was proud of that. I thought it was cool that, dude, that one's got more banana. And the consumer was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's got to be exactly the same every time. I'm like, that's not me. And then I just hadn't tasted a lot of sour beer. And at some point with Jester King and some of the other guys, uh, I was a Petrus aged pale that opened my eyes. And I was just like, holy shit, I should have been making this all along. This, this tastes like wine. So uh, we just sort of evolved over to it and then, 2017 switched completely but before i pass it off to dan i do want to ask have you had any jolly pumpkin um beers yeah we get them we get them down here um and for a while i don't i haven't seen them recently i don't know if they're still distributing here but i've i've had i would honestly maybe five or six but i've had a few because you mentioned jester king and when we interviewed jester king earlier this year uh they talked about how like ron jeffries is one of their main uh role models of how to brew beer and how to brew that style of beer uh ron jeffries obviously is the brewer over at jolly pumpkin uh but dan i know you have a question yeah so back here before COVID took over you did an interview with the brewer magazine where uh, you mentioned how horribly close a lot of breweries are to dying do you still think that's the case here 18 months later yeah, so it's worse. So the EIDL loan, uh, actually, I'm sure you guys are aware, gave everybody 75% of their 2019 revenue. So breweries that weren't making a dollar, all of a sudden were flush with cash. Uh, but their actual operating budget was still wrong. And so I don't, 
So I have talked to a lot of people recently in the in my area, and uh, I currently can't tell you any brewery owner that I know that's making any money. Now, in that same interview, you mentioned the need for 20% of breweries to close up shop. Do you still believe this, or do you think there is room for a lot of the newer, um, more hyper-local breweries to succeed in the local market? Well, so I don't have a lot of time because I was busy writing a book and that started a podcast, but I would love for somebody to actually go count tap handles and um, retail outlets. So there's a couple of answers to that question. And and if you're doing on-premise sales primarily or exclusively, I think it's a different conversation than if you're in distribution. But if you're trying to go to distribution today, you may as well um, give all that money back to your investors. You're you're fucked. Um, They're just... There are less outlets than there were. Um, the stores have ripped out. You know, they're bombers and they're one-offs. And so getting your beer on the shelf is even more challenging. And we've doubled the amount of breweries in the last five years, and we have not doubled the amount of tap handles in any given market. So I would love for someone to count those tap handles and then count how many breweries we get. And like, well, where does beer go? You know? <laughs> you know, you actually bring up a good point. We talked about this, I want to say about a month or so ago. Um, the guys, especially in Michigan, feel like the craft beer bar, the tap house is really kind of a dying type of business. Uh, where on my side, I we have quite a few of them out here that are thriving and actually more opening. Do you think that's still a thing? Like the craft beer bar, is it turning more into like brewery specific as far as where people go for craft beer? I know those places are struggling by and large. I don't think that they're and part of it is that some are better than others. And the guys that are doing a great job, I think are still seeing people come there, but you know, what, remember what they did, you know, five years, even five years ago to generate revenue was pint nights or meet the brewer. And, and no one cares shit about those things anymore. Thank hope. Thankfully, I'm very glad of that, but I don't, I don't know what they're doing to get excitement uh, anymore. And, and I do think the breweries have a unique advantage in that if they do it right to be able to do their brewery only and exclusives and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. And we still see things like that out here with the whole meet the brewer or a lot with the mead because we have superstition meadery out here. Um, people like still come in to meet the guys making the mead, that sort of thing. So that is still sort of a draw, but I can understand, especially how long craft beer has been around or such a big thing as of now. Now you admitted in your first few years of making beer, aren't necessarily, they're not necessarily your best. And at some point you felt like you were fighting an uphill battle against your younger brewery. Uh, what was your goal? Was it to rebrand the brewery to entice people to give you another chance? Uh, to be honest, if I, if I could go back and do it all again, I would have changed the name. I would have just completely redone everything. Um, and and the, the reason was that, that I, I appreciate the, the way you said it, but the beer we made in the beginning was kind of shitty um in a lot of cases and so uh, the problem was that once the consumer gets that in their mind i think and this is a conversation i had with somebody yesterday in fact a viewer viewer that the i think where we're at as an industry is that most consumers have a very strong confirmation bias and the example i gave is that uh, the worst beer that i've ever made if you put it in a bottle with founders on it the label the same beer someone would be like Ugh, not that good i can't wait till the next release comes out if I release that beer, they're like, see, I told you they fucking suck. It's just, and so now in the minds of the consumer, there's a lot of people who are just like, Kelly's an asshole. That beer's not any good. I'm not going to try it. Even though we literally do make some of the best beer in the state, those people are never going to put it in their mouth. And there's not, not nothing I can do about it with the same name and same ownership. Now, actually, I want to go back to one thing you said earlier where you were mentioning that, you know, your friends and the people you know that you're making beer, you know, they, the customers don't have the same taste or the same like. Have you ever had anyone, we referred to them at least back in the day as CBYs, people who just think they're better, know everything about beer, basically craft beer Yeezus, talking about old Kanye. Um, do you have any good stories about that? Is someone coming to you and telling you how to make your beer better or why it's not good or thinking they know better than you when it comes to making it? I don't have great examples of people talking to me about that, but behind my back, I'm sure there's a bunch of those that have been said. Um, and we obviously get people in here all the time that are yeah, my, my, you know, my favorites are when they try to explain it to you and then they uh, call it the wrong name or they, you know, they, they say that it's, it's dark because of the yeast. And you're just like, what, what are you fucking talking about? I, and I just, I kind of like, I've gotten to the point now in my career that I just walk away from those. And I'm like, 
they're not going to listen to me anyways. They're going to think I'm bullshit. So I just don't even get it. Yeah, Daniel, you don't you don't go when you call White Labs and say you got any of that dark yeast? (laughs) That dark yeast you can ship me? (laughs) Yeah, I'm making I'm making an IPA, but I want a black IPA. You got any of that dark yeast? (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty bad. (laughs) Some of those people. Yeah. And anyway, I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're obnoxious too. Cause they're just so like, they want to tell you what they know, but they don't know. And you don't win by telling them they're wrong. So there's no, no, no uphill or no, oh, win no on that one. you can't win those fights. You know, they've never made a beer. They've never even used like a Mr. Beer kit to make a beer in their lives, but they think they know better than the guys who have been doing it for years, which is the funniest part. Um, yeah. one, one more question before I pass it on here. Now in your book, you discuss Facebook groups like Austin, let's talk craft beer. <laughs> <laughs> you're already laughing. Of course, your very blunt opinion on untapped users as mostly assholes. I agree with that. Uh, did lo- I'd love to hear your opinion of the users of these groups as time progressed. Have they gotten better or worse? Or are they just always equally bad? Well, to be completely honest, I have uh, checked out a little bit. Um, so I don't, I do not troll these groups anymore because literally it puts me in a horrible mood and it's not worth it for me. But I have, <laughs> I posted actually the release of the book in the Austin Let's Talk Craft Beer Facebook group on Tuesday, I think it was. And the there are some completely ruthless comments. Uh, the short answer is no. They're all still a bunch of shitbag wiener boys, and I they can't handle it, and I, I don't want to deal with it. That's why I stay out of those groups, because I'll go off on them, and they'll find out where I'm from, and it'll just turn to bad news. <laughs> yeah, well, and then you can't convince them otherwise. So at some point, what I have found is that if you were arguing with me face-to-face with that garbage, I could make you feel about three inches tall in, in two seconds. But for some reason, they can type and walk, and, and they can dodge the conversation, which they do constantly – yeah. And miss the point. <laughs> and you can't argue with someone that stupid. So it's just, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> and then Danny, you had a question. Uh, um, have you, well, this or, is, <laughs> I can pass it to Ken if you'd prefer. <laughs> have you ever worked with girls find out down where you are? Uh, yeah. So yeah. we have one out of San Antonio. Um, yeah. they don't, they don't come to us very often because we're a little bit out of the market yeah. and we don't have a chapter here in New Braunfels, but, um, we've had events in the past. I know we did some, I guess, like we gave them beer that came in and we let them just have like a first beer free or something like that even. Um, but yeah. That's awesome. I asked because I run the Detroit chapter that's all. Oh, do you? Yeah. We um, actually have a beer on right now. That's a barrel aged hazy sour that's made with the pink boots tops. Um, so we, we did that one this year too. We actually are just getting our very first pink boot society group out here in Southeastern Michigan, which just started up. So, um, we're excited to see that. I, I, well, so the name of your book, how not to start a damn brewery, um, Again, we we poked and prodded and we went through it a little bit. And it's a lot of it is basically you telling your younger self what to not do if you were, you know, if you had a time machine. Um, is is there a 11th rule that maybe didn't make it into the book that you would like to tell yourself? The secret rule. Yeah. Well, to be <laughs> honest, that's one of the reasons I started the podcast is that I felt like there was more out there and more that I hadn't really gone over. Um, and I wanted to kind of interview all the other people and and other contemporaries that have gone out of business and kind of find what they had said. Um, I don't, at at this point, I don't have an an 11th rule. Um, What about a, uh, a a preview for your podcast, which is three episodes are already out currently, correct? Yeah, I've already recorded nine. It just takes a little longer to edit than I thought it was going to. Um, so three are up on the, and it's technically sneak preview. So I'm still figuring out the format come monday they'll be done but they're up there to listen to right now if you want to should be on apple um spotify oh get get ready for the reviews on apple we can tell you about those we can also give you some tips on what not to do when you're first starting out there is definitely some things we did that i don't think we would do if we started again started over right now for sure yeah maybe that's what we need to we need to write a book of how not to start a podcast (laughs) or how not to start a damn podcast yeah yeah (laughs) There you go. <laughs> I, I can see the C and D coming in the mail already because you, uh, you know, trademarked the word "damn." Uh, right? No, I have it. You can't do anything, so uh, I got it. Now, 
you you mentioned and and this is kind of going back to Dan's earlier point um the the Facebook groups because out here in Michigan at least the Facebook groups have definitely turned a lot less toxic um when oh, that's good when I was in the Facebook groups and I started joining when we just started this podcast um so back in 2015 2016 uh these the groups were relentless. Um, you could not say at water brewing, which is a, a brewery out here in Detroit without the response saying shat water. Um, like <laughs> it's, it's, you could, you could time it. You could literally post, Hey, I'm heading over to at water. What should I try? Five minutes, six responses saying the same thing. Um, they're very unoriginal, but now there are a lot of these groups that are a little more admin focused where the admins are taking a bit more control. Um, one, because obviously you don't want the Facebook group to get shut down because you can't sell beer legally on Facebook. Um, so admins have to be a little bit more stringent, but two, um, I think a lot of people just, it, the, the culture that we're in, in the United States right now is just so, internet tough guy that i think somebody needs to control it and when you have control you're an admin of a group i think that's what changed a lot now i also see it too now as you're a brewer i'm a consumer um when i'm on untapped the exchanges on untapped are fewer and further between now than they used to be when untapped first came out is that something that you're seeing too uh or does untapped kind of been the same since you started or it started well, to be honest, after I released that book, I stopped kind of looking at Untapped. Well, that's, so that's I get fair. on there about three, I get on there about three times a year just to make sure that my listing still is active. But <laughs> outside of that, I don't spend a lot of time there. But um, when I do look, I will say that I'm not entirely sure what the catalyst is because I don't look enough. But the average rating of our beer is significantly higher than it used to be, and there's just kind of less shit talking in general. But um, I am not in any position to retract anything I've ever said about Untapped at this time, sir. <laughs> That's, I, I don't think I'm looking necessarily for an att- attraction. I'm not trying to defend these groups here. There were a lot of um, toxic people in these groups to the point where uh, oh, yeah. I know a lot of us quit a lot of the, the groups that were up here in Michigan uh, just because well, that- there, there's no good conversation. You could easily post something, and no matter what you posted, you could you could post about and let's let's do a beer or mead that's universally well accepted as one of the best in the country, and that's a Schramm's mead um, out here in Michigan. High ratings on Untapped, Rate Beer, Beer Advocate, wherever you take it, high ratings. You could say something about Schramm's, and someone will come in and demolish you for liking Schramm's, um, and that's just the kind of thing that. You know, it, it, it went from funny to angry to sad to I just had to get rid of it. Kind of like you said, you just you just got to walk away because there's no reasoning with a lot of these people. And if you, you sure you're drinking Shram's Black Agnes batch, too, but it wasn't as good as batch one. Um, <laughs> right. So stupid. Uh, well, but, so here's one question I have for you. The, the for Texas it. scene specifically, uh, we had that same thing where like the toxic groups were. So they are still toxic. But what we have seen is there are new people starting new groups. And I don't know if they're not letting those people in or just not allowing them to be as much shit bags, but they're definitely there, there's been a schism, I guess, in the in the industry. We we had that in Michigan and early on um, so this was years ago, a group called the Bruise Brothers, which is a black beer culture group. Um, they had their own Facebook group. They were very you could literally go in there and drink a bush light and they'll be like, Cheers, what do you think? And there, there is no negativity. They, they don't, they don't deal with that shit. You, you fuck up, you're gone. Um, <laughs> and it's also invite only. You can't just apply to get in. Like you, someone needs to refer you to get in. And this group, who they have their own opinions, they had their own thoughts and their theories. Like you know, for instance, if you ask them about founders, be ready to sit down for a two-hour podcast because they're going to give you all the info on founders. <laughs> but when it came time. That was the kind of group that I think everyone wanted to be in because they saw all the toxicity, but then they realized I can't be in this, so I need to be the change that I want to see or I want to be in. Hmm. Um, So a lot of these groups – like I was in a a Dallas group for a bit because I was flying in and out of Dallas 
2018 and 2019 um, a bunch. Like I know Victor over at Dallas Beer Talk. Um, so getting into the Dallas scene a little bit uh, was was a lot of fun, but I didn't necessarily see that toxicity um, that I was seeing back in the early days of the Detroit area craft beer enthusiast, DACB as we call it. Um, but I was just curious if you saw the change, because again, everything that we see as a consumer is way different than what you see as the beer maker, as the business owner, because they're not talking to each other. They're talking about you. Um, yeah. So I, I guess I, I, I want to tie that loose end up because I not loose end, but tie up that conversation. Cause I think we could easily get into a, you know, six hour long conversation about stupid shit we've seen on untapped. Um, <laughs> and I think you make a great point is, is that if uh, in your book, you say that if you can't deal with the garbage, walk away from the garbage. Um, and I think that's a very valid thing that a lot of people, including myself, I was one of those people, I couldn't deal with it. So I just walked away because I was just getting angry at people just saying stupid stuff. I'm like, why can't you just enjoy beer? Um, but I, I want to ask a fun question just to kind of get off this topic of being pissed off at craft beer, annoying people. Um, what's your favorite style of beer? Not to make, but to, to drink. Hmm. Well, there's a bit of situationality to it, but I would say across the board, I look forward most to Oktoberfest. Oh. And not the hellish shitty ones. I want some malts and a little bit of bite, um, you know, some character to it. Um, I, I really like enjoy Oktoberfest. If, if I'm at home reaching for something, uh, I also really like to drink an Imperial Stout. My problem is that as a father of two children and a husband to a wife, I want to keep loving me. I can't have very many because I do kind of become a little bit drunk, a lot drunk. I better ways it. A little bit. Yeah. Can I go for, go for it? Uh, what was your gateway beer? Like, what woke you up and made you realize, like, look at all this flavor that I haven't been experiencing before? What was your your awakening beer? I think it was cocaine, actually. <laughs> no. Um, so <laughs> let's see. Gateway beer, probably Pete's Wicked Ale, actually, which is why it was funny that they're the ones that sent me a cease and desist. Uh, Cause I was, I think I might've been, I was 18 and it was, you know, it was expensive. It was craft. It was different. And it was roasty and had flavor. I'm like, what the hell is this? This is fantastic. And I remember that, but I'm sure now it tastes watered down and boring, but at that point it was fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. I want to go back now that you brought up the wicked. Do you think they are suing Boston beer co now because of their new wicked line? I mean, the minute they set foot in Texas, are they going to have the guys who make Shiner trying to stop them from distributing in the state? So it shouldn't matter. Technically, they they had a trademark for the country um, if they were going to. But so the no. way it works is that you Shiner can literally just give them a letter saying you have the right to use it. And they did that. So if you look in the book, I think I had, I don't know, 10 or 12 examples of businesses that they allowed to use it which is the whole point of the trademark that no one's supposed to use it. So by allowing everyone to use it, you've essentially said you don't have a trademark. So I'm betting that they probably didn't because one of them is red's wicked apple ale, which is owned by Miller. Yeah. I forgot about that one. Miller. Yeah. I know. Ken just, Ken I just actually had, have heard really positive things about red's wicked apple and I have not had it's it. It's good. Is it really? I've had it. It's good. It's good. Don't, we're not going to talk about that, but it's good. I, I <laughs> don't, I don't like really shit. Like my, my, I had this huge blockade of massive, uh, massively produced apple type beers or apple ciders because of, um, angry orchard. Like I remember having oh, yeah. it and literally it just felt like sugar going through my veins. That's what it just, yeah. it, it tasted. It felt like that. And this, the problem also was, is that I had been drinking for three days straight. Um, <laughs> and that was the last keg that was left. Um, so, so nobody else apple, wanted it. The apple ales aren't as bad as the cider. So in the wicked, if I remember the wicked apples, like the 8% one, which makes it go down. You know, it's good. So you're not going to, but you're not going to drink a ton of them. It's just going to get you kind of messed up. Now, Ken actually just passed me a question here. He's hoping and he's wondering when are you going to expand out and start making alt beers? Because he would come back and visit you if you started distributing or just making <laughs> can, one for the brewery. Can you make an open culture alt beer? Yeah. 
I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, ah, fuck. The short answer is <laughs> <laughs> the short answer is it may not taste very good, but um, <laughs> one of the beers I did, I actually haven't even told anybody really about it yet. I did decide to make a we we have a mixed culture kind of like um, you know Belgian lambic inspired, but it's um, not not blended, not aged barrel. And I did a imperial version of it, which is basically inspired by Duval. So I can do weird stuff. Uh, mixed culture Duval, why not? Mixed culture alt beer, try it. Yeah, could be why good. not? It might actually be good. Kendall be the first in line to try it, though, just to see how I, it I mean, works. I'm not going to lie. I probably would. That's how I felt <laughs> when I saw uh, Old Nation up here in Michigan. They had that double uh, Detroit Dwarf, which was apparently a double alt ale. But uh, as we were interviewing Travis Fritz years ago, 2016, maybe 2017, um, he explained that it's not really an actual style. But I did find a <laughs> bottle of it in a store. Um, now... I, the double dwarf. Yeah, the double dwarf. So, um, <laughs> not what, the single. Not the single. The Detroit dwarf is amazing. That's easily one of my easily yeah. one of my favorite beers in oh, the, yeah. the state of Michigan. Um, on honest to God, Kelly, like if if you want to talk all beers, I could talk all beers all day and tell you which one's good and which one isn't. Um, but I I don't want to bore the rest of the fans because um what what events do you guys run over at New Braunfels because it looks like you got like giant machinery behind you I see barrels behind you what's going on over at your your brewery what um why do people want to go to the actual facility uh, we're actually located in downtown uh, so one of the biggest reasons is that you can literally grab your beer go walk around and come back in and Ooh. so. Uh, we, we, you can drink on the street anytime you want here in the Rumpels and, and kind of wander around. As far as you know, the events that we do, we primarily focus on the beer and the new things we're releasing. But it seems like over the last three months, we've been releasing a beer about every 10 days. So there's been a ton of new stuff. Is that is that a COVID change where you have like a drinking district or is this something that was happening before COVID? We've been alcoholics since Jump Street, baby. So you can drink really? Rumpels forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That it well, it kind of just blows my mind because I I would think Texas is a little bit more conservative when it comes to its alcoholic laws um, versus other states that we see. So having that type of open intox area um, is something we actually have been talking about for years, but did not, never seen until this year. Um, yeah. So I was just it, well, the way they get around. Oh, go on. That's it. The Texas law, there's not a Texas like state law saying you can do it. It's sort of left up to the cities. And so there's a few cities in Texas that do, but there's probably equally as many dry counties that you can't drink at all in. So uh, just, you know, big state, but depending where you are, it's, it's different everywhere. I, um, I learned that too with, I think, grapevine is technically dry. Um, yeah. Even though you can, the, the hotel that I stay at, the Gaylord, which is technically in Grapevine, you can drink in. So I've, I haven't figured out what dry means in the city of Grapevine. <laughs> um, but Danny, I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, I was going to say where I live, um, Oak Park was a dry city until I want to say six years ago. Not that long ago. I remember that. Yeah, we voted it in since I lived here. And so now we have a brewery. Uh, one opening up, there's a gastropub, and we're building it as a, a social district. So just like Grand Rapids, Lansing, Ferndale, you can take your drink and go outside, which is huge for us. So it's so great to have that stuff now. I, and I mean, not that you're in San Antonio, but San Antonio has a fantastic river walk. And um, Austin's a beautiful city, but like, it's just so great that places are doing that now because people want to be outside. It's not just COVID like that definitely encouraged it, but it wasn't just that people just want to drink outside. Like who doesn't want to drink outside? Yeah. When, if you think about it logically, what's the difference? Uh, if I'm going to sit inside a bar and drink four or I'm yeah. going to go outside and have one, like it's, I don't know. Yeah. Like, Oh, you're, know. you're why do they care? Yeah. yeah. So as we uh, we kind of finish up, I appreciate you taking the, the time to chat with us, talk to us about your book and your podcast. Real quick, your podcast is going to be released on the 9th, you, you said, um, all nine episodes? I'm going to release four on Monday morning, and then the first season is 10 long. And so however long it takes me to – I'll probably do one a week and just get them all out after that. But yeah, and then the, the second season, I'm starting recording uh, next week, in fact. 
Awesome. Um, as we finish up, we all ask one final question. Um, so I'll give Danny a minute to prep that question in her head because she wasn't prepared for it, but Dan always is. I definitely am. So all I have are your beers available, and I'm about to play Edward 40 Hands. Which two beers or which beer should I use to play? Edward 40 Hands, I'm not familiar with. You may have to explain the question. Oh, so wow, the second week in a row. So Edward 40 Hands, typically you take a 40 in each hand and duct tape it to your hands. So you know your hands are now oh. 40s, and you have to be the first to finish both of them. All right, so it's going to be two completely different beers in that case. Ooh. One is going to be Pickle Fucker. Because if you're going to drink 40 ounces of something, you can pound that one. That <laughs> one's uh, like 10% pickle juice blended with a Berliner Weiss. And the other one is self-medication, which is That's a incredible. dark. <laughs> yeah, I can't actually distribute that one nationwide because TTB won't let me have the name. But in Texas, I got it snuck in. Uh, but <laughs> that one that one is a, it's a it's an 8% black mixed culture beer aged in port barrels for a year and a half and then transferred to bourbon barrels for another two months. And it's wow. about 11% alcohol, uh, farmhouse sour beer. So between those two, you ought to have a good afternoon. Now, you normally have those both on tap at the brewery? No, the just to make it even harder to find, the self-medication comes out once every two years when it gets made. And then Pickle Fucker is the beer that we try to never run out of. So that one, you always have final draft. Nice. I now you said dark, so we're we're calling White Labs for that dark yeast, right? Yeah. yeah. In fact, <laughs> I couldn't make it without it, man. You got to have the right ingredients. Uh, Danny, what is uh, your final question? I'm ready. If I don't like sour beers and wild fermentation, what will you do to change my mind? What beer will change my mind? So, if you look on my blog and go back far enough, there's a blog post about why I don't make sour beer. And so, and I have no idea what you have or haven't tasted, but most people don't get the opportunity to experience a mixed culture beer that's built upon balance. And so uh, a couple of things I would do is one, I would probably give you my barrel aged hazy sour because it doesn't have the acidity level. And then I would also give you something of mine that's a little bit higher alcohol because that tends to keep my acidity at bay. And so those are two beers that are easy to kind of walk in on and just be like, wow, this is something I haven't had before. Cool. I'll have it. So I decided uh, just now to join the Austin Let's Talk Craft Beer Group, which they let me in without any rules. (laughs) I found your post. Good. This is great. Go look up Brad Golub. He's the one I hate the most. That's that's (laughs) the question is. Under under from your book now uh, under fuck the internet bastards this is part of your book rule number four is Jeff Young and Brad Golub are little dicks now Brad is actually responding to this post um what did they do oh no he froze. Oh no. We broke him. Oh, there okay, you are. I think I'm back. There you are. Okay. So my question was who is uh Brad Golub and Jeff Young and what did they do? All right. So they're two they're completely different people. So Jeff Golub or I'm sorry, Brad Golub, you can see on that site. He's in that comment thread. And um he is one of those, he is the most toxic person that I know of in the Texas craft beer scene. And the little fuckwad does not even live in Texas, first of all. He's like in Oregon or something. But I believe he used to live in Austin. Uh, he works for a distributor, which means he should fucking know better. <laughs> and he literally will just go on there and just shit on things to just to start fights. He just, he's that kid who got picked on all the time in high school and finally got an opportunity to hide behind a keyboard. And he can actually like lash out and not get his fucking face beat in for once. Cause I've never met him in person either, by the way. Of course. I can't you wait till I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Jeff Young is probably a little stickier. So Jeff Young owns a brewery in Austin. Oh boy. And it is an all sour brewery that they do a mash, um, like a, some sort of recirculation in the mash to use the bacteria that's on the mash at temp to create basically styles of beer you know that are then sour and we have this joke in my friends when we were younger he uh he he that guide me so like if if you go up to your buddy's girlfriend and like she's hot and he she, you go up to her and you're like dude 
I don't know why he treats you like that. I would, I guy would never treat a girl that way. Like if you were my girlfriend, holy fuck, dude, I would totally buy you flowers every day. That guy's a dick. That's what I call the that guy. But Jeff Young, that guyed me on the awesome let's craft beer Facebook group. Um, this one time. And then he's done some other shit after that, but this is the one I won't forgive him for. Somebody literally was like, they said something in response to my comment that was bad. And he goes on there and he goes, you know, we don't distribute in Houston, but if Blue Owl got the opportunity to put our beer in front of you, we would welcome any feedback you wanted to give. We would never treat you the way Kelly did. Oh, damn. <laughs> Fuck you. Wow. <laughs> so once, once I have a book, you're, if you treat me like that, you're going in it, motherfucker. Like, yeah. I mean, he, he seems to be embracing it with the, with the side of uh, ego for sure on the, the group, but it's... Um, yeah, Brad's cool with it. <laughs> it, it. It was quite interesting. Um, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Um, <laughs> I, I, I want to say I appreciate your, um, your curtness. You're not hiding behind the fact that you own a brewery. You speak your mind, um, which I think is uh, what a lot of people are afraid to do, especially in a uh, context of a podcast. Everyone, and we, we do try to be very friendly and upbeat and with, uh, um, with everyone, but uh, no, this was definitely a refreshing interview, and I appreciate you taking the time. Um, New Braunfels Brewing, you guys are in New Braunfels, uh, Texas. Um, the distro, you said Louisiana, Florida. I believe there is another state in there on, along with Texas. Currently, here this year. We used to be in Oregon and California. We pulled out. Ah, maybe that's why, Brad. Brad, you yeah, know, don't go back beer. to Oregon. Uh, <laughs> Screw those guys. You can't get pickle fucker anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. But go check them out, especially if you are interested in the, uh, you know, open culture, live culture type beers, sours, wild ales. Um, they're definitely going to be your treat. Uh, look for the book. It's on the uh, Amazon for Kindle, as well as you can buy paperback. Um, can they buy it anywhere else where they don't have to go to Amazon? Uh, currently, it's only available on Amazon. And once I finish the second season of the podcast, I'll have an audio book up there as well. But I don't yet. So. All right. Uh, that's probably going to be, I'll, I'll, I, I have it on Kindle, the Kindle Unlimited, but when, when I buy it for me, it'll definitely be an audio. You're reading it too, right? Yeah. It's oh, gonna I, be you. I'm, I'm going to have a blast. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's one thing. I don't know about you guys. Um, as we finish this up, when I read some type of biographical or autobiographical book, I love hearing it from the artist itself. Um, listening to somebody else talk, like I listen to, um, you know, I'm a big wrestling fan, so like Daniel Bryan did his own. Chris Jericho has done a handful. Uh, Kevin Smith, the creator of Clerks, did his own. And what's funny about Kevin Smith, too, if you're a Kevin Smith fan, um, is, is that he sidebars so much, just like he does in real life all the time. It's hysterical. Uh, but you know what? I'm actually hyped now that I know that you're doing the audiobook uh, for the, the book itself. That's going to do it. Better on Draft again. We're live 7 p.m. Eastern. You can find us on all of our socials, Better on Draft, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And no matter what you think of your beer, we think it's better. On draft. There you go. Ah, better on I like that. There you go. It's better on draft. He's going to say, night. hold my blunt. Hold on. What? <laughs> Peace. <laughs>